0: And by. The vacuum tubes are warming up. This is a special live broadcast right here on Georgia Radio.
1: Well, it's Wednesday morning. Time for Neighbor to Neighbor. Good morning, everybody. Matt Jolly here with you on Georgia Radio. Glad to be with you. If you haven't already signed up for our newsletter, please do so. You can do it right there at georgiaradio.com. Just sign up for the newsletter. Did you hear last night's show? We had a good time. Billy Blackman was the guest on an all new Georgia Falcon Farm Life broadcast last night. If you missed Billy Blackman, boy, oh boy, listen to that one. He, the guy has just done everything. He was a, a railroad worker, let's see, a musician uh, for like a, a bunch of years 13, 14 years. I think he played on the road. Uh, now he's a farrier. And just a, a cowboy through and through, but it, also a, a, a newspaper columnist, uh, just a remarkable guy and uh, loved hearing, hearing all about his life and stories last night on the Georgia Folk and Farm Life show. You can catch that on the podcast, by the way, it's up there right now. Go to georgiaradio.com slash podcast and you can listen to it. This morning, we're lucky to have tree farmer and author and all around great guy, Paul Chappelle joining me from his truck where he is warm uh, out there on his tree farm with his dog. Paul, good morning. Glad glad to have you on.
2: Morning, Matt. This is uh, going to be interesting. It's an honor. Thank you. Well, hey, you, you don't do a lot of
1: radio shows in the tree farming business, I'm gathering.
2: Uh, this might be
1: a first. <laughs> with a dog. <laughs> well, I wouldn't want it any other yeah. way. You know, I mean, the old dog in the, in the pickup truck and sitting out there on the tree farm. What are you looking out uh, right now at, at, right out that windshield? What, what's in front of you right now, Paul? Paint the picture.
2: Uh, you know, cobalt blue sky, horizon, horizon, not a cloud anywhere. A little frost still on the ground in the shady areas. You know, trees, a pond, a pump house. You know, that's my that's my office view.
1: I love it. And and diversified trees. That's the name of your tree farm business there in Pine Mountain, uh, where you are. Uh, you're an arborist. You're you actually have the certifications and all that stuff and you grow trees for a living. I think it's great. What kind of trees do you have? We out do
2: there? We do all um, landscape ornamental, you know, plant material. We get phone calls a lot of times for fruit production crops like peaches and plums and apples, but you know, nursery business is pretty specialized this day and time, and so we, we focus on, you know, oaks and maples and magnolias and hollies and um, crepe myrtles and you know, the stuff that's kind of the bread and butter of the landscape industry. So that's kind of in our wheelhouse.
1: Yeah. Now, I'm guessing like live oak. Do you do water well, oak and all that stuff too?
2: We're a little far north for live oak. You know, it's more of a coastal plain tree and they'll they'll live as far north as Atlanta and Carrollton, but they won't really thrive very yeah. well. So um, we... We just don't do live oak, but you know, uh, overcup oak, nut all oak, willow oak, swamp white oak, white oak. Those are those are the oaks on our list.
1: Man, well, you know, my neighbor, and of course, my neighbor Scott. He knows every tree that ever existed, I think. And you, you probably yep. are right in there with him. I, I don't know how you guys you can look at a tree and just tell, but it's you know that's that's why you're in that business, and it. I think it's a wonderful business to be in. Uh, I didn't realize yeah. there were that many varieties of oak in Georgia. Oh golly, <laughs> there! I don't,
2: I don't, I don't know how many you know of the native uh, species there are, but we don't grow near all of them. Yeah. And then you add in some of the uh, some of the hybrids and the the uh, the clone varieties and cultivars. Uh, there's an incredible list. Uh, almost in any species. I think it's great. Yeah. Well,
1: listen, we're, we're here to talk about all kinds of stuff today, including trees. But really, uh, the way that I came across you first was this book, Georgia Bread, Stories That Shape Us. And it's uh, it's your latest work, and it's available on Amazon. And I'll, I'll tell you what, I think this is just a wonderful book. It's, it's the kind of book that you want to leave by your favorite reading chair and just pick up before you go to bed, because it, it's, it's a great, great Series and collection of stories. You had over two hundred that you said uh, that you started choosing through uh, to come up with these. Right. Uh, these the selection, I guess.
2: Right. Yeah, I'm. I think I'm up around two hundred forty or two hundred fifty stories right now, and and you know because my uh, two and a half years now I've been doing a blog. I have a blog site called Georgia Bread. Uh, GeorgiaBread56.com, and, uh, um, and so I've been trying, my, my my goal is to write two stories a week, and uh, I've been pretty consistent at that for, you know, since I started, and uh, it's a self-imposed, you know, kind of goal, and it makes it a little tough sometimes. I don't have an editor or, uh, you know, anybody breathing down my neck, you know, about, producing stories, but I figured if I was going to do this and be serious about it, you know, I would, you know, try to make something of it. But of course, you said, you said the book is my latest work. It's, it's really my only work, my only book. Cause I never, <laughs> well, let me, yeah. In addition I, to I, writing
1: I mean, two stories a week, which is, that's a, that's yeah, a big yeah, workload. Yeah. That's a massive workload yeah. that I don't think people realize. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's uh, some days they come easy. Some days you really have to work on them, and you know I try to get, you know, five or six stories in the bullpen because I know that you know some weeks, you know I am still working for a living, and some weeks are just going to be you know the creative juices are going to be dry, and uh, so it's been tough, you know, and it's been a it's been a discipline that's that's for sure. Um, and of course, I never imagined that I would turn anything into a book, but, um, but some here you of my, are, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, here I
1: am. Here you are. <laughs>
2: you know, I, it was, it was a slow roll, obviously getting something out like that. And, you know, initially, you know, my sister and my three kids were following my blog and, uh, um, uh, and then, little by little, especially as I started using Facebook to kind of share it and get it out there a little bit, particularly a lot of the guys and gals that I went to, you know, school with in Hampton, Georgia, where I grew up, you know, I mean, you go to school from kindergarten to 12th grade with this group of kids that kind of define your life in that period of time. And, and, uh, and a lot of them really kind of latched on to the stories, and uh, a number of them said, you have got to put these in a into a book, and for a year and a half, I just kind of chuckled at that idea, and um, but they finally got to me; they pressured me. <laughs> yeah, they
1: have a way of doing that. I grew up in yeah. a small town where friends, you know, that I knew from the time I was three till the time I graduated, um, and then everybody right. kind of went their own way. But it's funny, you know, all these friends of ours who went off to school and who went off to college and whatnot you talk to that group of us and our best friends are the ones that we've known since we were 3 and 4 and 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 it's those high yeah. school friends that you and that's unusual cuz a lot of people they they don't have that life they go off to college and those right. are the friends that that stick with them throughout their life but for me it was always much like you it was those earlier friends yeah. that that you still stay in touch with maybe once or twice every few years but you just pick up right where you where you left off
2: yeah there's a few of them you can you haven't seen or talked to them in two or three years and you can you know call them or decide to go visit and it's you know you pick up where you left off and it is kind of a cool uh, relational concept to have and it
1: is So well, i want to get into this story because i love this story this is about you and your dad uh, in front of the barn and it's a, it's a, it's an image that you hold on to and you paint so well in this story because it's not just about taking a picture with your dad. I mean, there is a whole lot right. going on in that story. Can you, can you tell us just a little bit about that one?
2: You know, uh, my dad, you know, was a depression era kid, right? Born in 23 and, um, And he certainly passed on a lot of those values to me. And and like any kid who had, and I know a lot of kids don't have a good father-son relationship. They had, you know, terrible family life and all that kind of stuff. I was very fortunate that I had a reasonably normal, you know, growing up experience A mom and dad who stayed together their whole life and that sort of thing. So it certainly made an impression on me, but, Growing up on what I would consider to be kind of a tail end of a a period of time where agriculture in Georgia's small family farms were still you know active and and um, I just wanted to capture that part of him before he passed away and uh, uh, and I had pictures of him but I didn't I didn't have a picture of you know, like the one I tried to set up, him sitting on the old Massey Ferguson tractor, the old barn in the background, and that kind of thing. And, of course, he was he was not very agreeable to the idea to start with, because I just drove <laughs> up there. I had it in my head. I was
0: determined
2: I was going to get this photograph, right? And, and, and you know, if something is useful or practical, that was all about that. But this just seemed to be him to him something like you know why are we doing this <laughs> then it, it got to be kind of hilarious but uh, i finally got him down out of the house down to the old barn we backed the tractor out and and stumbled through that process it's got the picture of course it's become one of my iconic treasures that uh, uh i wouldn't sell for all the tea in china because it just you know it's me and him it's the life that we shared and it's, uh, it's a picture that just has all of
1: that in it for me. Talk to me about the tractor seat, because you go into great detail on this, and I, it, 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 I know these guys. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I know them. And, <laughs> and it's just a different way. To me, you know, if I if I see something that needs fixing, I want to fix it. And it was different with that right. generation. It wasn't that they didn't want to fix it. It was that it was this continuous balance of is it worth it.
2: Right, right. Yeah, when... And look, we got that tractor in 64, you know, so, I mean, the tractor had a lot of use. And when the original seat just wore slap out, now, it was always parked under the shed in the barn. It wasn't like it set out, but, you know, by the 80s, you know, seat was worn out. And, uh, and Dad, rather than, you know, Going to the massive Ferguson dealer and ordering a replacement seat for it, he took an old piece of plywood, just a scrap piece, I'm sure, that was laying around the old smokehouse, whittled it down with a jigsaw, and and ran a couple of bolts through it into the metal frame that was left after he took the old seat off of it, and uh, and then somewhere along the way because we didn't have a Craftsman lawnmower. He found an old black, you know, foam padded seat from a Craftsman lawn tractor and basically ran two screws through it into that piece of plywood and used that for years, you know. And, uh, of course, it didn't fit right. It didn't fit right, right and it shoved you up really close to the steering wheel and the gear shift rather than being out by your knees was, you know, a little closer <laughs> than right. you wanted it to be. And, uh, and then when the craftsman seat c- cracked and the foam was exposed, dad just took a black plastic trash bag and put it over the whole seat and tied a knot in it under the seat, and sat on that. <laughs> for, but in that, you know, in that years. story,
1: you, you talk about that and it's just, I I love it because it sums up so much about that generation. I, I know guys that had TV sets that they would turn because the dial had fallen off. They'd turn it with pliers. You know, I mean, that's just, that was just that, that mindset of it's, it still works. It's good enough. What have we lost about that? You write a lot about that in this book. I mean, there's the VFW story. There's all of these stories, even about your mother and sewing. What have we lost in America that that generation knew and understood?
2: Oh, I've said in several of those stories that I think that, uh, it's such an incredible loss to us, a sense of, just a sense of, uh, I think, Oh, what's the word? Uh, not contentment, be it, learning to be content with the life that you have. It, it seems like, you know, Probably my generation. I'm 65, you know, and, and we're still connected to that group. But certainly, you know, the next generation, we're we're always seem to be discontent with what we have. We want something more. We we want, you know, the bigger house, or we want more stuff, or we want, you know, we want a new truck because we've been driving this one for. My goodness, I've been driving it for two years. You know, I got to get another truck and. I think we've lost the, the ability to be content with a simple life. You know, where we work honestly and we pay our bills and we get by on materially on what we can afford. And um, you know, mom and dad, you know, they didn't run up any debt. You know, I mean, Mom had a few credit cards, but, you know, for pennies or riches or, you know, wherever she liked to shop. But, you know, it was always just a few items, and it got paid. And, uh, uh, you know, they didn't know anything about Visa or MasterCard or, you know, going into debt like that. So I I just think that we were dissatisfied in a way that Mom and Dad were, never never knew because they were just so content with a simple life.
1: Yeah, and it's not even contentment to me as much as it was that they, they lived through what you were talking about. They lived through the Depression. You know, hard times make strong men. You've heard that before. And and it seems sure. like, you know, we, we we talk about, you hear on the news, you hear about how some of these grocery stores up on the East Coast, they don't have food right now. You know, the, the storm that right. came through there and now with the pandemic and supply chain, you hear about all this stuff, but then when you look at it through the lens of what that generation went through, I mean, we don't have soup lines. We're not there yet. And, and God right. willing, we'll never be there again. But it sure, it, it's, it's the first little taste of austerity that a lot of folks right. have had in this country. And I, 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 I look back to that generation and I think, you know, they would have weathered this without even, without even thinking about it. You know, I,
0: you know, yeah. pandemic for two yeah. years that, you know, okay, well. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at That's corient.com. That's corien dot com. All right. Uh, they just...
1: they. But to me, that's you write about this in such a beautiful way, where, where these austere times—I mean, there's a war in this book, there's a depression, there's all of this stuff that that a lot of folks would look at as hardship—that you have found the silver lining within, and I think it's aptly titled "Stories That Shape Us," and that's that is this book, and it's it's really
2: really, really wonderful. One of the one of the one of the common reactions I get to to some of these stories is that, um, man, that story is about my life. You know, there's so many people that identify with it. And, uh, I even, I've got a friend who's in his thirties who, uh, you know, called me one night, he had found out about the book and got it and read some of the stories. And he said, you know, he said, this is not my life. You know, I was a military brat. We were, you know, all over the country. But I'm just inspired by, you know, the stories. They, they make me want something more, you know, out of life than I've, you know, really had to think about. And, and that's pretty rewarding, you know, to me, because this whole thing started for me as just a way for me to capture some stories for my grandchildren. Uh, that's really what I wanted to do. Um, because my kids have asked me, I've told these stories or some of them a a number of times over the years. And they'll ask me, what was that story about, you know, granddaddy? And, and since my granddad passed away a few years before I was born and I never got to know him only through the stories that my dad told, I said, you know, something happens to me and I, you know, leave this earth, you know, I want my grandkids to know a little bit of their heritage and history and who we were. And that's what I started out, you know, doing They're not, I didn't intend for them to be necessarily, you know, devotional or like with moral lessons or anything like that. But some of that comes through. And, uh, and I think that's to me, that's the value. in you know, them. that's why I write them.
1: I love it all. I think it's just been, it's been a fun read and I'm looking forward to it every night when I sit down, I, I realized right away. And take this for what it's worth, Paul. I realized right away that this was not a book to finish. And, and what I mean by that is, you don't sit down and read it cover to cover. This is a book that is best enjoyed uh, when when you're looking for something like this. And and you you sit yeah. down with it, and, and and I'm just I'm savoring it. I guess it's the best. That's the best way to put it. Yeah. Uh, and I and I love yeah. that about. It's hard to find a book like that, you know, because. It reads so easily, and it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. I've, I've, I'm on my second pass, but every time I, I, look, I look forward to cracking it open, I, I think it's just fantastic. It is for sale on Amazon. You can get it there. Uh, just look for Georgia Bread Stories That Shape Us by Paul W. Chappelle. And, it, and, and it's right there, right there on yeah. Amazon. It pulls up, and we'll put that in the podcast link uh, to that as well. Yeah. What, what is your, uh, your favorite one? is there is there a topic that you I can guess, but is there a topic that that you keep going back to maybe on the blog or even in the book that you just it's a deep well? Have you thought about that
2: yeah i mean i i, I go back to stories about mom and dad you know a lot i'm I'm starting to kind of run out of that a little bit you know because I've written so many of them but um you know, one of my favorite stories in the book is called devotion. And it was sure. about the final years when mom was, uh, in the nursing home with Alzheimer's and about dad's devotion, you know, to her and, uh, which in the later, you know, eighth decade of their lives, uh, gave me a view of him that I didn't know as a kid or as a young man. Uh, dad was, uh, you know, he could be a little bit gruff and a little bit short and and had high expectations. And, um, I saw a, uh, I saw life slow down for him. And I saw a tender side of him that I didn't know existed. And that was pretty telling, you know, you
1: said that, and you write it so So, beautifully. You said that, that his entire life was about working down there, you know, at, at, not at the factory but at the but anywhere where he where he worked the found the, found, the foundry he worked yeah. the foundry yeah yeah he would work down there and then when your mother went in to the care center his his job became going down there and and being with her during the day three times right. a day right it's beautiful right. i mean it really is a beautiful story um i mean his
2: yeah. his morning would start out with uh You know, putting an extra log in the wood stove and setting the damper and eating a couple of leftover biscuits and then headed over to McDonough to the nursing home so he could, you know, feed breakfast to her. And then he'd go back at lunch and then he'd go back at supper. And for five five years, he did that 365 days, you know, a year, every day. And uh, that's that's incredible to me because that takes a lot of stamina because he saw their relationship change because at some point she didn't know it. Mm. But he knew her, you know, one of those kind of things.
1: Well, it's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful, uh, it, it's just a beautiful book. And I would encourage anybody that, that wants to pick up a copy of it to go do that on, on Amazon, amazon.com. You can get, Georgia bread stories that shape us by author Paul Chappelle and Paul, give him your blog one last time before we cut out of here. You got to get back to it. There's trees to sell and trees to grow. Trees
2: to sell, <laughs> Yeah. 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 Well, you know, these stories are only, only about six or seven minutes long, so they don't take long. And if you get the book, you know, you can read one story or two stories. You could read the first story or the last story. You know, it's not like, it's not a novel. So, um, it's pretty like you suggested earlier it's a pretty easy read and uh um the the site is georgiabread56.com there you go georgiabread56.com you
1: can go on there and read it i like to think of this book like a nice warm blanket and that's exactly what it feels like (laughs) when you read it. it it's just really really wonderful uh, you've got a great thing yep. going. And yep. look, when you run out of stories about mom and dad, no one's gonna know the difference if you just start making them up and, and then that novel will come out, Paul, and, and we'll all enjoy <laughs> that too. So
2: Well, I'm, I'm no Lewis I'm no Lewis Grisard or Garrison Keeler or Sean of the South, but uh, those guys are professional writers and, and have been a long time and and I draw on some of their, you know, style I guess, but I'm I'm just trying to do my own thing. And I like the stories that I write about other people that I meet uh, more than I enjoy writing about myself. But uh, I think that's great. um,
1: You know, I've got, I'll leave you with this. I've got another interview coming out uh, on another show that I do called History Worth Saving. And I interviewed uh, a guy named Ernie LaPointe. He's Sitting Bull's great grandson. And he said, you know, we're always, we're always comparing ourselves uh, in the Western culture. Everybody's always comparing themselves to other people. He said in, in, in Lakota culture, we work hard to be the best that we can be as an individual. And he said, you know, I don't want to be anybody but me. And I think right. you do a beautiful job of that in this book. I, I wouldn't want you to be anybody but Paul. And that comes across so right. beautifully and well done in this book. And I hope everybody runs out and buys it because you're doing a great job with it. So thank you for coming on. Well, Thank you, Matt. We'll have you back on when you get that one more. next one coming out.
2: <laughs> go ahead i though. do have a book signing i do have a book signing coming up on january 29th in uh, my hometown of hampton georgia at the speakeasy bookstore well there and, you go uh, From 10 to 2 in the morning so if anybody local enough is interested and wants to come out you can uh you can get the book there and we can meet and maybe we'll make more stories
1: that's right and if anybody uh that that has an IOU from Paul, you could meet him there too. If because you know, I did one of those back <laughs> home in my hometown, and the, this buddy of mine walked up and he goes, "Where's my five bucks?" We had a, we, <laughs> he claims that you know he's held on to this all these years. Know, who knows? We had a great laugh about it. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it, it's uh, always uh, great going home meeting old friends, isn't it? It's just fun. Sure, good it stuff. Well, it's going to be a
2: lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it.
1: Thanks for coming on, Paul. Great, great to hear your voice. Thank
2: Thank you, you. Matt. I appreciate you having
1: me. Absolutely. Paul Chappelle, you can get the book right there uh, on Amazon. Uh, It's right there. You can't uh, can't miss it. I want to get, let's see if we can get him on the phone here. I want to get a a guy on that we had on uh, just last week, but he's had so much going on uh, in his life here lately. Uh, It's moving fast. It's just moving fast for Mark, and I was talking uh, via just text message here a few minutes ago. Mark, how are you? Are you there? Hey, doing good, Matt. Yourself? Man, I'm doing great. Mark Ware, uh, you can catch him uh, at MarkWare, W-A-R-E, W-A-R-E MarkWareMusic.com. Mark, you're headed to Nashville. Did I hear that right?
3: That's right, Matt. We're uh, we're headed out tomorrow afternoon. Uh, should get there. Oh, actually, yeah, tomorrow afternoon. And uh, we're planning to do some recording recording. Um, there on the new song "Get It On," uh, the agent there at Ten Fifteen Music, Joe, he's got it all set up. So we're gonna roll into Nashville and bundle up, head in the studio, and uh, make some music.
1: Man, I think that's great. How's your voice? Is it ready to go? Uh, I'm ready to go. Yes, You're sir. always ready to go. <laughs> Tell me about the show. <laughs> Tell me about the show that you've got coming up. At your next one when you get home from uh, from Nashville. What do you got coming up?
3: We are so excited uh, that we're getting to team up with Jacob Bryant. Uh, he's a North Georgia. North Georgia boy, and um, we're doing a show in Macon on the 21st there on Mulberry Street at the Macon Doolin Piano Bar. It's an up-close-and-personal tour Jacob's doing, and um, we're going to open up for him. so it's going to be a big night. You can go to their website, grab your tickets. I think there is still about three or four tables left, and uh, we're just uh, building a relationship with Jacob. I think we're headed to West Virginia um, and then up to Boston with doing the same thing there in, in those states, opening for Jacob. So uh, we're just having a lot of fun, Matt. And thank you for playing our song, by the way.
1: Hey, listen, I love both of them. We got both of them running. Uh, carry On and Six Feet Away. We'll get those on a little bit later on today. It's just great seeing an artist on on the go and getting some traction like you're doing. How many how many spins did you get last week?
3: Well, uh, I, I, I used all my fingers and toes and ran out. So I think we're at 70000 streams uh on six feet away which is phenomenal for an independent who, um, who's trying to do it but we had 70,000 fans so thank everyone out there uh, in Georgia who's
1: who's spending our music and let me make sure that I understand this correctly because I, a lot of folks who listen to this show they're like me and they don't understand everything but uh on Spotify and, and these new apps that you can play music on if you save a song as a favorite that helps right
3: it helps. And, uh, and then also to be added on a playlist. So if you like a certain genre of music, uh, say if you like outlaw country and, uh, you, you save that playlist. And, um, what we're trying to do is get on as many playlists as we can and build our monthly listeners up. So, um, if you listen to our song a certain amount of times you become one of our monthly listeners. And I think I'm up to 34,000 monthly listeners here. Um, oddly enough, um, it's running up, white race between georgia and phoenix arizona and i don't i don't know if i've got a lost cousin or something out there in phoenix but phoenix has loved our music and can't wait to get out there
1: i think that's fantastic well listen we, we wish you all the best and and i you're gonna love you're gonna love making you know mulberry street right there you're right next door to wden and why they're not playing it we got to figure that out maybe they are uh, they may be i mean um, literally next door to used to work right there at uh in that in that building there at the Federal Building back in the day, and it, what a what a great great street and a historic Music City. I mean, my goodness, everybody's played yeah. there. You know, now now you yeah, need sir. to get over and, and go play at Grants. You know, that's that's, that's right. the that's the that is like the the coup de grace of Southern rock and roll right there at Grants Lounge uh, in downtown, right. making good stuff. And uh, well, I, I I look forward to seeing you down there at some point. I'm going to do my best to show up there because. Uh, a, I just love Macon, and B looking forward to seeing it. And again, give the date on that show in Middle Georgia. Middle
3: Georgia macon uh, is gonna be January 21st. show starts at nine o'clock. Uh, looking forward to it. And uh, thanks thank you, Matt so much and thanks, Georgia Radio. Um, I'm becoming a fan of your stuff. You're doing a great <laughs> job
1: yourself. Listen we're we're swinging for the fences. You know what I mean, Mark? you got somebody's got to do this. So there's so many there's so many great artists that are that are out there doing good work. Uh, that that have an appreciation of the stuff in the past and there's so many communities out there that just are they're not getting served by these big corporate broadcast entities that don't even know how to spell the hometown name anymore you know they couldn't tell you who the football team was and that's sad we exactly want right. to we want to get back to that and and have some fun with it along the way mark ware thanks for coming on this morning great to hear your voice Thank sir you. all right Thank everybody you, we sure appreciate you being here too now listen Y'all don't run off because uh, we got a lot more coming up today. 10 to 2, I'm here with you. It's just the end of neighbor to neighbor. Now, listen, if if you've got something to buy, to swap or sell, call on in 678-390-8633 anytime, and we'll get that on for you. All right. I'm going to take a quick break. I'm going to go refill my coffee, and I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll be back here in a few more minutes playing your request and your dedications We got news at the top of the hour. I'll have the weather report at 11 o'clock for you. What else we got? Oh, yeah. I I think today is the day that Ernie LaPointe's story releases at HistoryWorthSaving.com. That's a longer format show and podcast at HistoryWorthSaving.com. You heard me talking about Ernie LaPointe, Sitting Bull's great-grandson. He is an amazing guy. I mean, just amazing. Vietnam vet. um, Was homeless for a number of years until he discovered, rediscovered, I should say, the ancient ways of his people and figured out how to heal, as he calls it, that spiritual wounding that happened to him when he was at war. And it's a remarkable, remarkable story of healing and how how he really came back to life. Uh, it, it's just a beautiful story. I think you'll enjoy it. That debuts, I believe, today. Season four, of History Worth Saving will be coming out later this month. I believe the 15th, uh, the week of the 15th, whatever that week is. That's, <laughs> that's Friday, I think. just <laughs> Saturday. Yes, yeah, we'll be out next week. Be out next week on the 19th. is when that show debuts. But uh, season four of it rolls out. Going to be a fun one. And listen, I hope that you are here every Monday through Friday. 10 to 2. And then all day long on Georgia Radio. If you're listening to us uh, via the podcast, we're glad you're here. Try and join us live some Wednesday morning. My thanks again to Paul Chappelle and to Mark Ware for coming on. Stories that shape us. Georgia Bread, you can find that on Amazon. If you're listening to the podcast of this show, just hit it on the quick link. All right, everybody, stay tuned. Lots of great stuff coming up right here on Georgia Radio right after this. Dream.